Hello and welcome everyone to the Lovely Travels podcast. Uh, this week, Emma talked to Grace Arach, um, who just recently started a not-for-profit organisation. Yeah, yeah. So it's it was so lovely to talk to Grace. She's an incredible woman. I, um, I've known her for a few years, met her through World Vision uh, when I was working there and she came as a guest speaker. I also worked on a media campaign. Um, so Grace was travelling around sharing her story as a former child soldier from the LRA in Uganda. Um, she was abducted and as a child and taken into the Lord Resistance Army and you know, that's not that's not my story to tell, but uh, it's a little brief overview. And she shared that on these um, wonderful evenings called A Night of Hope with a man, um, a musician, Levi McGrath, who uh, was a World Vision ambassador. And it was they were beautiful evening. So I got to meet her after that. And, yeah, we've been connected ever since. Fantastic. Um, and what's the, what's the non-for-profit, what's it called and what's it about? Yeah, so it's called Beto Keegan. And it's been established to pick up where foreign aid has left off. So they're mm. providing hope in practical ways to the people who've been abducted and traumatised. And Grace talks a lot more about that and um, talks about, you know, the ways she's supporting people. And, I um, mean, yeah, just story of hope, absolutely story of hope. And uh, she also likes travel, uh, so we chatted a bit. She's actually seen, like, quite a lot of Australia, and um, which wow. is really cool, probably puts quite a few of us to shame. And uh, we just talked about, yeah, sort of travelling and, and a little bit about um, Uganda. We'll definitely have an episode on Uganda um, at some point, but um, just a bit about that. And, yeah, she was, she's so open. Um, it was a really beautiful conversation, so I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Yeah, uh, stay tuned, have a listen, and um, yeah, enjoy. So welcome to Lovely Travels podcast today. I'm very excited to have one of my friends here. She, We met through uh, World Vision Australia when I was doing some work there, and uh, it's just a delight to have her here. That is Grace Araj. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. <laughs> now, Grace, um, so this episode isn't going to be focused on it, but where are you originally from? So I'm originally from Uganda and I have been living in Australia since 2011 and I live in, um, yeah, New South Wales, Sydney. In Sydney, awesome. Yes. Yeah, so I definitely am going to have a Uganda episode, so I'll have to send you that one. And I'm, we can definitely talk about Uganda, but uh, <laughs> we're here to talk about you and also the fact that you started a, a charity, like a foundation called Beto Kigen. Can you tell me a bit more about that? So... Um, Beto Kigen means living with hope. So originally I came up with the idea is because uh, of my background. So I am a former child soldier and I spent a few years in captivity, um, uh, abducted by the Lord Resistant Army or LRA. So the reason um, or the notion behind Bedoki again was just to, um, has been established to pick up where the foreign aid has left. Because mm -hmm. uh, we know when there's war, we always have foreign people coming in and giving aid. But then when, when the war goes down, they also move to another country. 
So at the moment in Uganda, we don't have the services. So basically to provide um, to provide hype, uh, practical hype to the people, uh, most especially who are, who were abducted by the former by the sold um, LRA, and they are traumatized. And not only them, but including um, the community as well as at large. To uh, for me is to prevent the intergenerational trauma that is happening mm. at the moment within the community, and also to help them reintegrate into the community. And yeah. so, when you say the intergenerational trauma, do you mean like the parents, and or more so like the people who've been through the trauma passing on to their children? So. Um, we know most especially the girls they were abducted when they were little and they were given as bride to their commanders and they had they have children and so the, the people the children who returned back home they came mm-hmm. with the, the children they had in captivity so usually we call them um, child mothers because they were children and they gave birth to children so mm-hmm. when they returned back into um, back home and they are reintegrated back into the community. They, um, their parents, so like my mom, when I was abducted, she was traumatized and the yes, community where I was abducted. And so then um, they came back with children. Their children are traumatized and the mothers. And so it's just the, the, the trauma is going on and on in, in the community. So for me, it's, it's a good idea to prevent before it goes further that is, it goes out of hand. And and these former child soldiers, they are struggling a lot um, yeah. to integrate into the community. Uh, I think I count myself as a, a lucky person because by the time I returned back home in 2001, there was a lot of support around. There was a lot of foreign aid around. And I had so many people around the world who contributed to my recovery. But mm. at the moment, all those services are not there, so they're struggling. This is the time that um, they needed um, psychosocial, psychological and emotional support, and all these are not there at the moment. And so they're not doing well. So then I just said probably um, we, we, when Beruki again picks up, so we'll provide the services that they had you know, before and then they could reintegrate just and have a a better recovery like the way I did. So, I'm so glad to hear that you had a good recovery. And was that, I know that you ended up with World Vision, but was your initial care with World Vision or you ended up volunteering with World Vision later on? So um, when I did escape from South Sudan, I came and I was taken to World Vision Rehabilitation Centre. Um, it was a, a big centre um, created to to welcome children who escaped back home. So within the centre, there's a lot of things they do. So they do home tracing because um, our, our parents were internally displaced. So then okay. they need to trace where they are and, and also they do um, therapy, um, you know, counselling and uh, just to probably to um, more of um, training and letting you know to prepare you actually, to prepare you to get back into the community is a different lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I was five years, 10 months. They had other people who have been more than 12 years old Things have changed so much that they don't know exactly what is happening into the community. So when we're ready and then we, they will, we will be taken back into the community, which they call reintegration with the community and reunite you with 
your family and other people who wanted to go to school. I wanted to go back to study. So I was sponsored mm. to go back to study and others are doing uh, different training, tailoring and all that. So And then others were doing um, activity like income generating activity, doing small business and, and so different activity that was there. But now they don't have any of those. So That's a shame. And it's, yeah. I mean, it's something so... Um, far removed from, you know, we now live in Australia, that to understand what it's like when you're saying internally displaced, there's people who are removed from, they're not able to go to their home in their own country. And then like with South Sudan, you know, it's still happening now, isn't it, where the the border changed, the country. So people are in their own country but not allowed to be in their home. Yes, that's right. And, And that's still happening, you know, and people don't actually realized so yeah it had two problems you know the abduction obviously and then also trying to get back to where you came from yeah and for some people even now that's not even possible yes and that's some of the people so in Australia now when you when you came I guess we've we should jump forward a few years so because I met you it would have been around 2016-17 when you were doing the tour of a night of hope Yes. Uh, I was working on the PR campaign and I got to see you speak. Actually, I have to send you a photo. I'll put it on the post uh, as well. I bought one of your necklaces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Lovely. Like, they're paper beads, right? Yes, yes. Mm, big, beautiful <laughs> necklace. And I have this dress that's very plain. And whenever I wear that dress, I want a big necklace. Oh. So I wear that necklace. Um, oh, lovely. Oh, yeah. That's so, so kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> so you were selling those at the event, but and they just always they reminded me like of Africa. And I was like, oh, I have to have one. <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah. But you, you very um, courageously shared your story then. And uh, that was sort of to raise awareness more for like child sponsorship. Through World Vision? Yes. Yeah, so because you had been sponsored so that you could study. Yes. And then, but ultimately, how did you get then from Uganda to Australia? So I, I, I came for a program and then later on I did apply to study, uh, which I did study. Um, I was interested in mental health. Mm-hmm. And because I was just trying to relate to myself that there's a lot of uh, post-traumatic stress and then how to work with it and 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 just to learn more how the Western world takes it. Because yeah. basically, by the time, I think even up to now, um, people still in Uganda do not um, know that mental health do exist. They just said you're possessed by evil spirits. So I wanted to study more. And then um, one day when Bedok again picks up, so then I can, you know, educate people. Just basically I want to study about myself, you yes. know, what I've gone through and then how people overcome it and, and, and what are the therapies and all that before. So then after that, um, um, there were so many things going on in, in Uganda anyway in I think I think about it now. Uh, I think I used the word I said. I think I was stupid because, like, I usually um, argue with the government and 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 and, and participate and like just saying, "Well, you can't blame us; it's your responsibility and all that." So, and then later, um, uh, I was lucky that um, I did apply, and then um, Australian government granted me uh, uh, permanent residence. So then. I continued to study in 
you know, so that's what happened and that's how I ended up in in Australia, Sydney. Yeah, but you have some family also in Sydney? So I had um, my cousin um, mm-hmm. and she passed away uh, with cancer last year. Um, so then I just, yeah, so then I, I have um, friends who are already like, um, like a family, you know, mm-hmm. Alice and she's my big sister. So I, I <laughs> have been lucky that um, the community in, in Australia and friends and, you know, who might call them family already, they've been really, really good. And I, ha- I think I, I, I have um, reintegrated myself, like have settled really well because of the friends I have around and the support of the community at large. So, yeah, um, I think I feel lucky. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Like yeah. I think some people don't have maybe such a, you know, positive experience of integrating into Australia. Yes. You know, we're... Uh, finding out a lot about that at the moment with the Black Lives Matter movement and things like that. And, yeah. um, you know, we're, it's a strange thing because we seem very welcoming and, and the way you met the McGraths, you know, like yes. Levi, they're very yeah. welcoming, lovely people. And Yeah. Uh, but sometimes underneath there's some real problems in Australia. I, I don't know, do you see that or it sounds like you've had some nice experience? Uh, actually, really, I haven't had a bad experience. And also, uh, if someone says something, what I know is uh, people have their ignorance and mm. and um, is more of attitude and, you know, just... Um, and I know people are afraid when they don't know something. So, and I don't really take it personal. And if I'm in a good mood, I'll just try to educate or if not, I just ignore them. Usually because I'm told. So instead of people asking me, where are you from? They'll say, are you a Sudanese? And then oh. I was, yes. <laughs> and, then I, and then I'll smile and I said, actually, no, but I don't think that's how you should ask a question. You could say, yeah. which country are you from? I don't yes. mind, but I, I am not from there. And I said, well, I'm from Uganda and it's close to Sudan. So I can be a Sudanese as well if you like. And then I just smile and brush it off. It doesn't really bother me. Yeah, it's a more that's... important problem to worry about other than that, you know. So. But that must get tiring. And um, I see, I, I feel bad because I do ask people where they're from. I try to ask what's your heritage or what's your origin or your family origin or something. And yeah. it's just because I love, you know, like if I've been to the place, you know, if you yeah. said I'm from Uganda, I say, me, yeah. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> I just get too excited. Yeah. But I know for some people if they're asking that and some people the way they ask is like, where are you from? You know, yeah. it's not yeah. a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> for me it's an interesting, but I, I've learned that I have to be careful how I ask because I know I don't want to be intimidating. I just yeah. – very interested. <laughs> yeah, I think the way the tone is, as well, as you say, not intimidating. It, it depends the tone and, and, and how you ask the question and in what context, you know. Yes. And sometimes if people say, where are you from? And then I say, like, if, if I'm just, like, in a joking mood, then I say I'm from Sydney. Or maybe yes. I said I'm from <laughs> Western Sydney. So then I said, okay. Or I might say, what do you mean? Do you mean originally? Or yes. where do I live? And then they'll say original, and then I say, yeah, I'm from Uganda. But also sometimes, th- this is this is what I've realized. Though sometimes 
people think they're being nice and asking a nice question, mm. but it's the wrong question. So, mm. yeah, sometimes you don't have to take it personal unless it's intimidating and with attitude. And yes. then that is, yes. <laughs> I think also, like you said, maybe it's not the first question, you know, like, Oh, I met you in a different setting. I met you. I knew actually where you were from. I was yeah. going to watch you speak, so I knew. Yeah. But like, if I wasn't, you know, it's first you say hello and yeah, what's your name and yeah. how's your day and yeah. maybe you talk about some other things and then you say maybe I'm interested. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know where you're from originally. Yeah, yeah. you know, and yeah, because you know it is part of our story. Yeah, yes. my, mine isn't very obvious. My parents are English, but it impacts my life a lot because yeah. all my family is there. Yes. So it's interesting and part of my story, but it's a different It's different when there is possibly a negative. I don't, wouldn't have a negative connotation with the fact that my family's from England. You know? yeah. It's, yeah. it's a very different experience. So you have to be aware when you're talking to someone, maybe they don't want to talk about why they're here. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, like you said, if someone's been through what you've been through, maybe they're they're not ready to talk about that. They're happy yeah. with their life now in Australia. Yes. And I'm very glad to hear that you're enjoying your life in, in Sydney. <laughs> and, and do you connect with, like, are there, is there sort of a Ugandan community? Do you connect at all here or? Uh, there's a Ugandan community, not really much. So I just um, basically connect with any community because I sing in a choir. So like oh. the choir has, you know, um, people from different countries as well, African countries. So we have the African choir, which is a combination of different countries that goes to St. Patrick Church. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Are you singing like sort of hymns and things or like do you have any sort of like is it more like gospel style or so is is um is gospel but is a uh is a church so it's a catholic church you know they have they call it mass so like you have the order of the mass entrance glory and that and that offertory so yeah that basically that's what um the saying so yes oh, lovely <laughs> yeah. nice to hear <laughs> oh yeah i love to sing but i haven't we haven't had church for quite a long time but i still love to sing yeah, during yeah. this time. So while we're recording, it's the time of COVID. So yes. you haven't been going to church. Have there been like live church? So yeah, so like you could you sit and watch, like listen basically, but you're not participating, like singing in a choir, like go to church, get up early, get ready to go to church. You go to the shower while you're practicing your voice because I always sing high strand and I have to practice in the morning and keep singing and getting the tune while you're going to church. So I don't do that anymore. But I just, yeah. And was the church something that you joined when you came to Australia? Was that helpful? Uh, even before, remember, even bef- before, so um, I studied in a, I went to a, a, a single-sex girl school, so I love singing. Um, and not only that, when we escape and come to World Vision, it's all about singing and praying, mm. which just giving hope. So it's just like, if, when you're going through tough times and you sing and you you go to church or, you know, it gives you that hope and you're saying, okay, I think tomorrow is going to be better. It's just a, a voice of hope and, and, and love and, and, and mercy or to go combination together and grace. So, yeah. Like your name. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'm really glad you mentioned mental health before because, 
it's such a big thing, um, you know, and, and it's still an issue in Australia, but I guess you see it addressed a lot better than maybe at home. And like you said, so one of the things that one of the goals of this podcast is to raise awareness for mental health. I've had my own mental health journey and um, it's very interesting to me actually because you talked about post-traumatic stress. I also got diagnosed with post-traumatic stress and when that happened it was very weird to me because I thought for you it makes sense. You were in a very critical situation. You were literally in a time of war like that makes sense. Um, people who've been through a natural disaster, earthquake or something like that, that makes sense. Mine was my parents separating. You know, it's okay. um, we see like say first world problem. But to me, when I was 17, that was the worst thing that had ever happened to me. And yeah. my world fell apart. And so it made sense that I had that diagnosis, but it was it made it very real. Like, wow, that's how serious they they take this yeah and you know subsequently I had depression and had to go through that and I'm very grateful because I had excellent doctor psychologist psychiatrist my school took it very seriously you know my family took it seriously so I was really lucky to have support but like you said there's countries where I mean maybe is there even words in your language for mental health or you know I, no it's just like probably if more of description if they describe it's like you're mad like yeah. crazy or nuts which is there's no um specific word for mental health and and I think that is what we lack though because and we don't really have um I can't remember I think we had a counselor uh we didn't have a a, a psychologist we didn't have um a psychiatrist or we, proper qualified unless um someone from uh, different countries like a first world country goes and do a little bit of you know study and talking to us but otherwise we didn't have that 24 7 but what we had is the support of um world vision staff and and preaching about hope and forgiveness every single day that kept everybody moving ahead so yeah so yeah. Would they would they even call it in Uganda? Would they say like sadness, or it's more like crazy? That they don't say, oh, someone's really sad. If they had depression or they're feeling down, they just would be like, oh, that that person's not right. Oh, I think they'll just say there's something wrong with you, or you're being cast. They just don't really because I I did go to uni in Uganda. Mm. They never mention about mental health. That's why when I came here, phone was really um interesting something that I need to study and, and know about it. So not really much. I know now they have one mental health institute in Uganda, just only one in Kampala, the whole of the country. Yeah. And they don't really admit many people. So usually they just let you um there's no medication. So you just, you know, go crazy, probably start walking naked and you die, just like that. They'll just try to do some rituals. They say probably your ancestors are upset or something. So there's no um, specific guide or what needs to be done. And when you reach that, tar- that, that peak, they don't even do any counselling, unfortunately. There's no medication to help. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's like one of the few benefits I know like with the refugee camps that they have yeah. they do send in the you know from 
the not-for-profits and I know more from World Vision side, but yeah. they do send in the psychosocial support, especially for the children, yes. um, but also just for the families, you know, yeah. to to get them through that time. And they do things like colouring yes, and singing, that's what we're doing. Yeah. dancing yes. to help them, I guess, to reconnect like a child and to feel some no- some normal or to process what they experience. Sometimes the children are drawing the things that they've experienced that helps them to understand. Yeah, so with the drawing we had, uh, I think they were calling it a drawing therapy. So they would see how we progress. Um, usually when they just like come back, return at Well Vision Rehabilitation Center, it's Children of War Rehabilitation Center, is that they they would draw what they do every day or we're fighting, killing someone, there's a gunship, you're carrying luggage and all that. So with time and then they just keep on monitoring and then after probably a few months, I think I stayed about, I was at the centre for about six months. Um, so then they change, they would start drawing probably a house and mm. then probably their mum cooking or playing soccer or something else. So with time, their minds start to adapt new environment where they are because all that time what they know is fight and walk endlessly all night, all day, carry food, you know, that and running. And so, yeah, so it's more about seeing how we progress. They were using it actually to see um, how we're progressing, how we're changing into the environment. And, of course, there will still be a lot of nightmares and, like, in the night we'll be in the dormitory. We had dormitory, people, like, screaming, falling off the bed, running. Like, you know, they had – we had the staff 24-7 just in case someone is screaming, has, has to go and pick them and talk to them. And, yeah, so – and we were many by that time. We were over 300 in the centre. Wow. So, and this yeah, is the volunteer we staff, they're, they're mostly Ugandan staff or some of the staff are from overseas? So we had few overseas. Probably overseas they just come visitors. Maybe they're, they're bringing clothings or um, probably they just come to visit to spend time with us, do drawings or play soccer or run around. But then the original staff, we speak the same language so that to gather more information. Mm. And it also takes a long time to build a relationship because we never trust any adult because of what has yes. happened. And we know it was their responsibility. But, like, so it took them quite a long time to build a relationship with us and then get us to into recalling what happened. And so, yeah, it was a long a process. It's gradually, mm. it's not one day or one month, like month and month, and don't be take like take them back home, they come back again. So, mm. so but they were amazing. They were, they were great. So I'm glad I think to hear that. us at World Vision, we were much better than there were other centers as well, but then World Vision was much better because we forgive, hope, and you know look forward for the future. It's not the end of life. You can pick up. So it was good. Yeah. And that's that's sort of a message about mental health in general. It's that it's not a fix, and yeah. like it's hard if you've had a mental health journey to. Sometimes that's very frustrating, and you have like almost like a relapse or something, and 
Yes. You feel the same things again, the same emotion or um, maybe not able to function. And that is very hard. You feel like you go all the way back to the start and that's really upsetting. But when you accept it's a journey and you go, okay, well, I guess there's going to be times where I don't feel so good and times where I have the bad memories. Um, Yeah. But you, you learn, and I don't know about you now, but like you learn for me, I still see a psychologist um, for every, everything, you know, for life. Um, yes. Because I know that the help is there now. And yeah. you shouldn't always have to go. Like, obviously, if you've had a major trauma, you really need to go. But you shouldn't need to get it to that point where you're broken down and in such a terrible place that, mm. you know, if you're feeling, okay, things don't feel so good, I don't think I'm doing very well, that's when yeah. you go to to the help yes yeah so um i think also one reason why um again as well is looking at that when they relapse as you said because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of relapse and they they're not coping well emotionally and all that and then we had we used to have um rehabilitation center children of war and you come back and they spend Mm -hmm. some time and go through counseling again and they settle and they take them up at the moment there's no center. So if you're emotionally, psychologically, anything, you're broken, you just have to stay there and fix yourself. And mm. so that help is not there. I think for me what help is sharing, you know, like I share with people. And I think that has made me um, recover. As you said, you had all the support. We have uh, people in the community right now. They don't have any support. Their family have been killed, and they're just only by themselves. They don't have anyone to support them. So it's support is, I think, in anything you go in life, so long as you have enough support and people understand you, you can go through anything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. On that ongoing support, I, I think it's wonderful the organization you've uh, created, and I think it's so good because these big organizations do a wonderful job. But like there's, like you said, there's some flow-on effects, and there's just so many people in the world. There's so yes. many people in the world, and there's so many situations we don't even get to see. We don't yeah. even know that those issues are are going on. So to have other organizations that are willing to fill the gap. Mm. that's that's really good and that you have such a good understanding you're using your personal experience and you know I'm so grateful that you share your story with us and um you know that you're able to I'm glad it's a sense of healing for you as well like that that's really great to hear yeah now tell me you said before the language of Uganda now when I was there there's lots of different tribal languages but is there like one main language so we don't the main language is english so english is official language and in every district they speak their own so i'm up in the north so i'm from gulu so i speak acholi okay but the head office world vision head office is in um kampala yes so where they speak luganda yes where they speak luganda luganda yes yeah, so different, uh, only English that, and I think um, they're trying to introduce Swahili. Yes. So then the East Africa will have one, but originally Swahili 
in Uganda was only for um, uh, army or a soldier communication. Everyone oh. has to use Swahili. But that Swahili is very, um, very shallow. It's not like Kenya or Tanzania. Okay, because yes. I yeah I learned some Swahili in Tanzania. Yeah, it's quite it's quite I think it's a good one because I don't know about the re- your language, but it's quite phonetic Swahili. So I found like like karibu, like the sounds that was quite yes. easy to karibu, once yeah once you could um, read out the you could kind of read it out if you yes. if you read it. Yeah. So I picked up some things karibu fiki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's good. But English, so did you learn English from a child or did you learn later? So I I did because before I was abducted, I was in a primary school. I was in my last stage of primary. So all um, teaching, education is all in English because Uganda was colonised by the British. So we use the same British system. So only English, but then also other languages when you go to uh, high school or a secondary school because our our education system is primary seven years and then you go to secondary school, which is ordinary four years, and then you have high school two years and then you go to uni. Okay. So, yes, so then um, when you go to secondary school after primary and then you can choose other languages that you want to. I think they do French, and yeah, that was only. But I think probably they've increased more now languages into um, school curriculum. But is it optional? You pick it. If yeah. You like. Yes. And because there are some, I mean, it's not in Uganda, but there's other some some of the African countries. They also have French. As, yeah, they were colonized by the French, so they have the French is like, yeah, they're official. Uh, a little different to French French, but um, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Most of it is in the West. So the West Africans were colonized more by the French, while the East and other part of Africa is the British. Yeah, and they're quite far apart because Africa is a big continent. <laughs> yes, I think we have now because South Sudan is the new country. I think we have about it was fifty four, probably fifty five. So fifty four to fifty five countries in African continent so and sometimes people say are you going to Africa I said oh. I would love to but I'm going to Uganda <laughs> it drives me mad especially sorry but Americans they do it all the time they're like I went to Cambodia and Fiji and Africa and you're like so you went to a whole continent like you know I always you know I say I want to go I want to go back to Africa but yeah, you like because you know the feeling of Africa. But you have to be specific, you know. <laughs> like, like I say, I, I want to go to South America, but I don't yeah. think Brazil is South America. But people think <laughs> of Uganda, Africa, same thing. Yeah, <laughs> well, people are just ignorant, so they think Africa is a country, and like so because they don't know it's a big continent. Yeah, yeah, South Africa is a country. That is right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. South Af- yes, South Africa is a one country. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, you know, and you say that there's like, so I do my, um, I'm trying to visit every UN-recognized country and there's yeah. 195. Wow. I've been to 57. Wow. But, yeah, it's pretty good. But 
in Africa, I've been to four. <laughs> like you said, there's 50 or something. So Yeah, there's about 54, maybe to 55. So 50 and above countries. So I need lots more time in Africa. Yeah. But mostly East Africa I've been. I only haven't been to Rwanda. Then I've done all of East Africa at least. One part. <laughs> uh, well, you're nearly done. So yeah. it's like just Rwanda and Burundi, which is their close to each other, because Rwanda and Burundi is part of East as well. But originally, East Africa was Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so I've, those are the I've major done all ones. East Africa then. <laughs> <laughs> Tick. But yeah, man, I look at the map and you just like, and as well, the thing with, with Africa as a continent, yeah. It's not that easy. Like Europe, you can just go, oh, I'm going to go here, 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 here. No. But in from Africa, like if you look at them and there's a line, but there's lots of problems with borders and yes. the flights, they're not so cheap within Africa. Yes. So yes. And driving sometimes, the roads are very, then the, are the roads even there? Like, yes. <laughs> you know, they're crazy roads, um, bumpy. Yes, yes. Like a lot of potholes and like you, <laughs> so like it's raining, probably you get stuck and you you have to sleep somewhere in the middle of the road. Yeah, so it's like, it's really bad. It's I mean, very that's like we're talking like, that's like, you know, sort of the outer Africa, like city like Kampala, is, it's a big city. Like it's yes. that there are proper roads and everything there. But, but for me, I still think Kampala doesn't have proper roads. The road that's no. no, if I could I wonder how they did plant the city, you know. <laughs> it's just terrible. It's so terrible. And so you get to go back. You've been back? I have been back, uh, I think, twice or three times, I think. Yeah, I've been good. back in 2013. Um, my cousin who passed away was her wedding. We went back home. And I went in 2017 when I went to the U.S. to visit Joe, my sponsor, and then um my stepdad was hit by a truck, so I had to go home. Oh, I'm sorry. And then I last year I went home as well to do a little bit of um, um, maybe visibility or what is happening and then to have um, just interact with other former child soldiers into the community and know exactly what is happening because I got a few people contacting me all the time, so I wanted to do more of going and just, you know, wearing their shoes and hear what is going on. So it was it was heartbreaking. I think when I came back, I was having nightmares and I was oh. really distressed. But it was okay. It was a good one, you know, because basically I'm okay. But then, like, it's not everyone is okay. So most especially the women are not doing well, the girls mm. who came back with their children. And they got remarried. But then um, the men they married do not want their children. But these children... They don't have their family. Yeah. Most of them, most of them, their dad was killed in the battle, and so it's only their mom. And they came back, and their family do not want them back with the child because we said we don't want to keep a rebel child. So it's just it's a total mess. Like uh, so, I was just there and like sitting and, and and crying. And when I came back, I was still in the night. But yeah, it's it's, it's good. Yeah. And do you have support now, like yourself, to work through things like that? I just do it by myself. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. do work out. Sometimes I still, sometimes 
Um, I don't know, probably because I'm overthinking. I always think about um, people's problems and I just keep on wishing. I wish I had this much money and solve like, something that is unrealistic. And then I, and I end up being really stressed. And then the few times um, I dreamt, actually, I was abducted and I was running and I was crying. And I said, oh, my God, I'm in bed. I'm in Sydney. If I had to walk around, okay, okay, I'm in Sydney. I haven't gone anywhere. So it's, it's just it just comes back and because that is it's going to be part and partial of of you you'll Mm -hmm. be on and off you can't go completely you know depending on what is happening so if I worried about them you know because when I went and I had to meet people they still have you know bullets on their body and they have pain 24 7 and I then I look at myself because I was shot on my left breast but it's not there it's being removed so I just feel mild pain. Most time I'm okay. But then you have people, they have bullets whether in their hips where they have to walk or their head. And it's, it's, And then I just said, probably I should have not gone to meet them but because mm-hmm. no one to talk to them. So me going meeting them was, was good for them, made them happy. But then I came back, I was like traumatized. But it was good. That's a hard thing to like because you want to help and I think I think you you will help and I know that you said like it's a big dream and you want to have more money to do more things for them I think that will come in time as you raise awareness and get to talk about it and it's just something that we can't even you know there's some movies I've seen or something you can't that you can't imagine and so to have someone who understands their story and you know that's very very good of you to put yourself in the position where you because you could also just go oh I'm better now my life is better Mm, yeah yeah yeah. so that's really good I feel lucky um they didn't have um they didn't have the luck I did they didn't have all the support I had as 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 I said I um I have traveled a little bit with well vision and and I, I got so many support. Like I have friends around the world that, you know, when I'm down, you find email from them sending video clips that probably we were there while vision playing or playing soccer or running into the bush and like makes you smile. But they don't have anyone like that. Or I received letters, someone has written letter. And now with the world of technology, someone texts you, hey, how are you? Or something, you know, it, it, it makes a difference. Someone to check on how you're doing and, and basically, that's what made me who I am today. And like, yeah. I'm not saying I am perfect, like I'm perfectly fine, but I think better than them. Yeah. No, you're, yeah. you're very strong, Grace. <laughs> and you have a lot of grace. Your name is perfect for you. But you said before, I love it. <laughs> I think I've said it to you before. I love words, so I play with them. But, you know, you said before you went to America, because I was going to say, like, did you – have you had a lot of much opportunity to travel, you know, in the world? I have, well, so I think I've only traveled with World Vision, though. So not by myself. I only went to um, Kuala Lumpur. So I have been to, in, in Africa, I have been to um, Kenya um, not long and uh been to um, Sierra Leone. So I spent more t- a week in Sierra Leone. I think that's a country that I've, um, I've moved around. The reason why I went to Sierra Leone, it was um, if 
they sort of settled on they've been uh, through civil war, which yeah. was really, really bad as well. So they were abducting children, uh, similar to um, Uganda a little bit, because children were involved in, and they were brainwashed the same way they did with us in Uganda. And um, so the reason I went to Sierra Leone is to see how they're doing their um, re- 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 reconstruction after the war, and also I was trying to follow up the story that was, uh, not the story, the system that was being used in South Africa, what they call the truth-telling. So, and then also trying to compare with the Sierra Leone that they were doing that process. So it's more of a reconciliation and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, yeah, so it was reconciliation and re, re, rebuilding the country after the war. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we went and see how they were doing and how, let's take an example, probably I came to your home and maybe looted your food or killed your mom. So I'll come to you and say, Emma, I'm sorry, it's me who did this. So I was mm-hmm. trying to see if that would happen in Uganda. So I spent more time in Sierra Leone and I, I, I was looking at how there were. So they were using cocaine and kids were drugs to kill their family. While mm. in Uganda, it's a different. We didn't use drugs. We were not allowed to drink. So I was just trying to... So I spent more time in Sierra Leone because of the similarities in war. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. then I, in then to the U.S. I went to the U.S. twice. So in 2003, and that's where I met my sponsor, Joe. And then in, in 2017... I went to visit Joe just to spend uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas with them, but then I had to cut my holiday short to go to Uganda because my mom was in distress after her husband passed away. And I've been to New Zealand probably three times or I don't know how many times with <laughs> World Vision, and I think it's my favorite country. With people yeah. Are lovely, yes, yes. Yeah. The lovely people, um, it's a beautiful country, and we drove, you know, from south, to I think they had south, south and west or south. And so we drove around, but I haven't been to Christchurch. So um, okay. usually we go to Auckland and, you know, Wellington, Plymouth and around and round and round. So it's beautiful. People are lovely. And so I think I haven't traveled much, but I think New Zealand is my favorite country for now <laughs> that I've traveled to. But I would love to go to... Um, to, I had a, a lot of stories about Japan. I'd love yeah. to go to Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to go to Japan. It would be a very different culture. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's different type, you know, to what you've seen in Africa and in Australia and New Zealand. That would be really different. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to go to. So when I was little, I still believe that I will travel. Like sometimes I said, one day if I get rich, um, if I get probably 30,000 or 40, I'm going to travel. So when I was little, I just said, basically, I love to travel. Like, I would love the stories of people exploring the country and, like, different culture, and they get to meet different people and use sign language to communicate. I love that um, um, that um, idea. And then sometimes here now, I sit and then say, well, since I'm here, if I work hard, I can save some money and I travel. So I need to travel. Like people say, where are you settling? No, I still want to work and travel around the world. So I love to travel, actually. If, if I was rich, like sometimes I say, thank God, God didn't let me be rich. 
because I, I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't be working. I would go all around the world just to visit. I go everywhere. Me too, Grace. So if you win the lottery, if I win the lottery, we're going to get we'll go. Yes. <laughs> get our private jet. I guess Alison could come too. We'll let her come. Maybe my friend Darius, he could come. We'll record the podcast. It'd be great. Yes. <laughs> and, and what about Australia? Have you done much? Because you t- toured with, so was in New Zealand, was that with A Night of Hope as well? Yeah, so most of the tour has been Night of Hope. I've actually toured Australia, though. I think I have done more than uh, sometimes I meet people that were born in Australia, let's say in Sydney. They haven't gone to Perth. They haven't gone to anywhere. So I think uh, in here, New South Wales, I've been to Goulburn. Yeah. I've been to Yasso, like around the countryside. I remember and I did the tour for you. Ah. <laughs> I was doing the publicity. <laughs> yes. So then yeah. there, and then in, um, I think in Victoria, we did more. So I was in Ballarat, Bendigo, and all those places and all, all, all around. So I, I think I have toured Australia, but the, I haven't been to Tasmania and the Northern oh. Territory. But all this is, um, um, WA, South Australia, Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne is just like I'm driving to Melbourne and then back and then back and forth. And, and my friends used to call me a travel woman that I travel a lot. So <laughs> every time I just say, I'm going to go to Melbourne. And then I'm back in Sydney. Well, I, I still miss Night of Heart because it was good. Like I would look forward, yeah. you know, to travel. It was, it was like, like meeting new people and, and you know, it's, it's fun. I mean, and you got to see a little bit when you did that because, you know, you were touring, you know, quite a few places, but you got to actually see some things when you were in those places? Yes. That's good. Yes. Yeah. So usually sometimes the program runs only for 45 or something depending and then we just drive around and go wherever we want to go, go for a run or go climb rocks or whatever. No Levi. So we just run around and it's fun. Oh, so yeah. I'm so glad you've got to see Australia. I mean, I, I knew you've been to some places, but I think you would really enjoy Tasmania because Tasmania is quite like New Zealand. So okay. the landscape is very beautiful and, you know, those people living down Tasmania, they're smart. It's a it's a beautiful place. So oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> we I give think, them a yeah. lot of teasing. You know, we tease Tasmania a lot. We say, "Oh, those <laughs> silly Tasmanians, they're smart people." It's a beautiful place. <laughs> yeah, I should visit. So I haven't visited Tasmania, and but South Australia, WA. I've been there many times, back and forth, and gone for a drive, look around, and because I love going for a drive. Even here in Sydney, sometimes I get bored. I drive to Canberra. Or drive to Goulburn, just drive in some countryside and spend a time there and just driving back and saying hello to everyone. Hello, how are you? Today? <laughs> it's fun. I love doing it's like that. Like the welcome, Grace, the welcome, yeah. welcome everyone. Well, you know, you can always come and visit Gold Coast. We have a spare bedroom. So oh, yeah. yeah. Gold Coast. Oh, my God. We went to Gold Coast on holiday. We loved it. We were there yeah. 10 days and we we're supposed to come and say, oh, hi. Have you been to. Um, Infinity? Uh, no, but I go past it all the time. <laughs> yeah, the lights and laser place, yeah? No. So Infinity, so we went there. Is Infinity is a journey of no return. So the way that I've made it, oh, my God, we were so scared. So if you're walking, you feel like you're walking on the glass. And the yeah. way that you should go in there, if you're not scared, <laughs> go in there. And, like, the sound of the music, like, 
I don't know. I think mine is weird because our mind started playing like, okay, I think there's a ghost. I think there's someone touching us. And we had to go on the floor and crawling and yelling and <laughs> looking for the door. It was hilarious. And I said, I'm not going to go into that Dracula. No, because this was too scary. Go in. It's fine. <laughs> You're not selling it very well, Grace. I don't think I want to. <laughs> yeah. No, you'll be fine. You like to travel, so you'll be fine. But okay. <laughs> okay. But maybe if you come back, I'll do it. You can stand outside and you come and visit me. You stand outside, you'll be like, okay, I'll watch you, Emma. You come <laughs> That'll be our fun thing. Um, I'll just get you a free ticket to SeaWorld and then everybody's happy. Go see the dolphins. That's enough. Yeah, I'll visit one day. I love Gold Coast. It's fun. Yeah. We had so much fun. We were there at Safa's Paradise and they organised drinks. So you have the time green. I think it's single and then red, you're taken and you start with, you know, <laughs> who shots are like, oh, my God, we went to Sin City. That was the last destination. We did too much dancing, 10 hours of dancing. It was oh too much gosh. fun. <laughs> you've seen, you've fun. seen more of the surface paradise than me as well. <laughs> Jeez, you're a party girl too, Grace. Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I love to dance, but I don't drink. I drink water, but I would dance for 12 hours without sitting down. <laughs> I love it. Oh well, I've, it's it's been such a joy to speak to you. And as always, I'm so grateful. Like I said, that you share your story. You're such a, a warm. I wish people. I'll put pictures, but I wish they could see your beautiful smiling <laughs> face. It's a joy to talk to. So thank you, Grace, and thank, thank you for the you. work that you're doing. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'm going to finish up here, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Sure. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, what a great conversation between Grace and, and Emma. Um, but did you enjoy talking to Grace? I love it. Like, she's just, like, I just finished a chat and I've just got such a big smile on my face. She's she's a delight and such an interesting and strong and just just a lovely woman, just lovely. So, yeah, yeah had a great definitely fun. Powerful woman um, and a powerful episode. And speaking of powerful episodes, next week, uh, what's happening, Emma? Can you can you tell everyone? We are going to be talking about España. No, with a Pedro. See, <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're not. Oh. I lie. We have to change that bit. No, powerful episodes. We're talking about COVID because it's happening, guys. And uh, we just just in case you you hadn't heard. <laughs> Um, in case you missed that is, memo <laughs> that's right next week we're talking um about covid a little bit and it's it's a little bit the order is a little bit funny bear with us um because we remembered that emma recorded a whole bunch of conversations just as all this bullshit was starting and now um we remembered and started chatting about it um so yeah the, it'll yeah. be the introductory and we'll hopefully start a bit of a series maybe catching up with the people yeah yeah I really wanted to do like a bit of a time capsule and like when I interviewed them it was around March April and it was mm. like oh well if you if if things are still happening then in like a month or two we'll talk again and, and in six months when it's all over we'll see what the world looks like type thing and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are now four months down the track and things aren't changing and I, I think it would just be a bit um silly for us as a travel podcast to avoid the 
elephant in the world, the enormous elephant sitting on top of the world, which is this pandemic. So, so guys, because you haven't heard enough, we're going to talk about that next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, before we blabber on about it too much, uh, remember to like and subscribe us on the iTunes, the Spotify, and everywhere else where you get podcasts. Um, Write to us, info at lovelytravels.com. Visit us, www.lovelytravels.com. Yeah, and if you want to keep joining the conversation, come on to Instagram, tag your photos, uh, hashtag lovelytravels, or, you know, just comment and show us what you're up to. And uh, you can also join the Facebook group called Lovely Travels. Uh, if you need to find us, search Lovely Travels with a double L-O-V-E-L-L-Y and you will find us. That's right. Thanks again, everyone, and talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.